Hello, my fellow wrenches and wrench turner leaders. Welcome to the Wrench Turners podcast and the primogenial reverse interview. The Wrench Turners podcast is a show about improving the life, well-being, and productivity of mechanics everywhere. And I am your host, Mr. Joshua Taylor, founder and CEO of WrenchTurners.online. You may be wondering, what is this reverse interview? Well, fundamentally, it's a piece of recorded content to help leaders who are hiring mechanics engage with those folks without having to set a meeting. It's a video where I ask questions of potential leaders to breach barriers that may be preventing those mechanics from clicking apply. It's a landing page to help facilitate easy application and a Q and AF unfiltered. Today's leader under the microscope is Zach Perkle, Fixed Operations Director at McGrath Honda of St. Charles, Illinois. You're going to hear me ask 11 questions and Zach's on-the-spot answers. You get to see and feel how he reacts to questions as you would an interview. These questions are formulated from information gathered during my one-to-one coaching sessions with mechanics that I've done over the last year. Questions that those same mechanics wished they had asked or challenges that arose because they didn't ask them. If you are a brother or sister of mine, Wrench, and you wish after listening or watching to this episode on Spotify or YouTube, find yourself interested in reaching out to Zach. There is a link in the description below or above, depending on what streaming service you're using, for you to click in a form only requiring a few pieces of information for you to reach out to him. Also, as a note, if you haven't already listened, Zach's one-to-one podcast with us on the Wrench Turners podcast was aired just a few days ago. Have a listen to it first and find out some context. That way you have a better understanding of the episode's answers today. With that said, Wrenches, let's get into it. All right, Mr. Perkle, we're going to run through this reverse interview. I've got a list of questions here beside me that I'm going to ask as though I was coming to you as a technician. Let's assume that I have the credentials that you've posted on a job ad that you're looking for. Let's assume that I know exactly where you are, exactly all of your pertinent information, and, and I'm essentially sitting in front of you like I am a applicant to your store looking for a job. And let's assume that we've gone through the basic interview process and you sort of asked me all the questions that you want to ask and I've responded and you haven't told me to leave yet. So now it's my turn to ask some questions. So my first question to you would be, what are the core values of the company? So the core values of our company are um, honesty, Teamwork. Um, I would say integrity, and um, you know, I really think that I don't even know how to say, it, but supporting each other, um, and supporting each other come up through any type of ranks or goals that they that they want. So um, whether it's me wanting to come up from a technician into management, or an advisor who says their goal is that someday they want to be able to afford a trip to Greece. 
I want to support you in that endeavor. And the GM wants to support you in that endeavor. The owner wants to support you in that endeavor. So um, support's a big one too, I think. All right. Honesty, integrity, and support. Big ones. All right. Uh, if I were to come to work for you, Mr. Perko, what would be a typical day? What would that typical day look like for me? So in our shop, our technicians work 410. So you would get three days off during your week. Um, you come in for your first shift. Um, you're going to meet with our service dispatcher, Danny, and he'll go through, all right, here's what we got for the day. We have this many appointments. We have this many waiters. And, uh, you know, what's your working process like? How many tickets do you have? What's on hold for you? Uh, what are you waiting for authorization on? How can I help with that? And then based on those answers, here's your one, two, three jobs to start your day, and let's get it rolling. And you start pulling cars in and going through initial checks, multi-point inspection, send your inspection up to the advisor, and you're not going to sit there and wait. You're on to the next one while the advisor's doing their thing. You're going to pull the next one in. And we're just going to play a little bit of Tetris, moving cars in and out, Rex approved, Rex denied, whatever it is, um, throughout your day and at the end of the day the goal is that if you're here for 10 you booked over 12 that's my that's our job is to make sure that we provide you the opportunity uh, to be over 100% efficient every day all right thank you for that now just to clarify for anyone listening that would maybe not necessarily understand because they've never worked tens before do you stagger the four-day week is it start on the same day or does it rotate? And what times does the start finish work? Yeah, so um, I am a big uh, believer in just having a set schedule. It makes everyone's life easier, uh, especially when you have 38 technicians like we do in our shop. If everything, if it was on a rotating, it would just be a little more complicated to, to keep track of. Well, it's, it's week three, so Josh is supposed to be here on Monday, not Tuesday. Um, so we do we do straight up every week's the same. We have one shift that's seven to six, um, another shift that is eight to seven, and service is open to the public until seven um, Monday through Thursday, six on Friday, four on Saturday, and four on Sunday. Because uh, that that's a big one for us. We are open on Sundays, um, and. Everyone has at least two days off in a row. The guys who've been here for a long time have seniority. Almost all of them have three days off in a row if they want it. Um, we have one gentleman who's been here for over 20 years who wants to work Monday, Tuesday, be off Wednesday, work Thursday, Friday, be off the weekend. It works out for our schedule, so be it. He doesn't want three days off in a row. All right, that works. Um, we also have an overnight shift too that works um, three o'clock to two a.m. Um, if that ever crossed anybody's mind, but yeah, that's it's it's standard every 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 week's the same. Okay, as as an individual that uh, I used to work personally, and this is personal segue, I used to work nights at the grocery store and had there ever been an opportunity for me to work nights turning wrenches i would have jumped on it the opportunity to to work 
when less people are in the shop but still have all the facilities, have less phones ring in, have less things going on, and just have that, just be able to head down, that's an opportunity for me to succeed. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. What would you say is um, your specific management style? Um, well, I've been described, I'm, I'm 35, but I have been described as maybe a little more old school, um, just Midwestern kid. I got, I got a strong work ethic behind me. Um, that's how I was raised. So my management style is that I expect a lot out of people, um, in terms of, you know, being on time and communicating when they need off well in advance, you know, unless it's an emergency situation, obviously. Um, I'm a little old school with that kind of stuff, but I would say that if where I've, I've grown as, as an adult is, you know, being understanding when someone comes to me and they they got, you know, an issue going on at, at home or, um, you know, something's just not right and, and they're not feeling it for that day. You know, there's a lot of people who just like, you know, Josh, what the fuck is wrong with you today? Dude, you, you've been here all morning and you haven't even gotten this car out of your stall. Like, there's cars lined out the door. You got to get your shit together. That That's not, that's never going to be me. Um, it'd, be, it'd be more of like, hey, what's going on with you today? You don't seem like yourself. Like, normally you'd have four cars out of here by now. You, you're, you're twirling your thumbs on the first one. Everything all right? Is there something I can help with? Is it, and, you know, not everybody wants to let you in right away and let you know, and they might brush you off. But um, instead of cracking the whip, it's more of, all right, let's let him feel that out for, for, for a day or two and, and circle back and see if he's ready to, to speak about what's, what's really going on. Or, um, you know, I may be a little, I can be blunt too, um, but I think that that's a good thing because you're never going to know, like, wonder where I stand on something. I'm, I'm going to be pretty open and honest about, like, no, I'm not cool with that. Like, you can't do that. Or, you know... Yeah, in, in our shop, we're going to do something this way. That's the way I want it done. And, and going forward, we're going to do it this way Is if it, when it comes to process or, or something like that. Um, there's not going to be a whole lot of times where someone's going to have to guess on where I stand on something uh, because I am a little bit like blunt like that. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. It's, it's good to hear you being genuine. Folks that lead and then play politics – tend to distract from the work versus just getting the work done. I appreciate that. What would you say is the biggest challenge, the single biggest challenge that's facing the shop right now? I'd say the single biggest challenge facing our shop right now is growing some of our younger apprentice technicians. Um, We have a couple that we maybe pulled up out of uh, like being a loop tech who showed potential, a lot of potential, a little early based on necessity, especially, you know, going through COVID and stuff like that around here. We were pretty heavily locked down for a while. 
And then once the, once it was open, it was the floodgates were open, and we some people didn't come back after furlough, and and, and some people moved. So then you have spots that you got to fill, and and we brought some people up who had some potential, um, and maybe reminded myself of of me maybe when I was young because I I, pull, I came up through the ranks pretty young. I was always the young guy in the shop, and just growing them technically um, and it's not just growing them as far as you know Juan can do a timing belt now we got we, we trained him on how to do timing belts he could do timing belts I trust him to do timing belts it's okay to dispatch him timing belts from now on um, but growing them like on proper warranty procedures so that we don't get burned on an audit or uh, writing a proper story on, on an RO and documenting what you did, how you did it, how you found your test results, and, and how you fixed the car. It's not just, um, you know, pulling an O2 code and then documenting that you pulled this code, uh, bad O2 sensor, uh, replaced O2 sensor. Like, that's not going to fly in a, in a professional shop. Like, you need to really get in depth of what did I do to diagnose it? What are the results I found? Based on those results, my recommendation is to replace the O2 sensor. I replaced the O2 sensor. I drove it through two trip faults, uh, checked the OBD status of that DTC. OBD status is passed, verified repair. That's a professional story. And, and we got a little work on, on doing that with some of our younger apprentices, but um, a lot of that comes with experience, so. A lot of coaching and, and training and developing out processes to to develop young talent okay awesome what would you say are the qualities of your most highly productive mechanics so i have three techs who uh your clipped two hundred thousand dollars last year in our shop and they're all three completely different. Uh, one is the best diagnostician I have ever worked with in my life. Um, easily, I have no ill will saying that he is way better than I ever was. Um, he is very anal. Um, he can diagnose any electrical fault quickly uh, very logical thinker, um, and he's very emotional. So he is a high-performing, logical technician who's who needs a little um, personality massaging to at times. So he's one. Um, my next one is is someone because I came up in our shop, um, we came up together. Uh, he was uh, an express tech when I was uh, an apprentice, and we used to race Hondas together. He still races Hondas. He is not the best diagnostician I've ever seen, but he's extremely competent at it. And when it comes down to it, uh, when there's a 10-line RO that needs to get done because he did a good MPI and my writer sold everything, he's going to pound it out and it's not going to come back. Um, he's, he's very fast 
when it comes to like, here, here's the 10 jobs on this ticket. Go hammer it out and then hammer it out. Um, hey, we're doing piston rings on this Odyssey. I need it done by one. It's going to be done by one. Uh, so he's, that's, he's a different personality completely. And then I have a third one who I was his apprentice coming up. He, uh, he is not anal at all. Uh, his, he's the type of mechanic who functions better when there's a mess around him and his socket drawer is just sockets everywhere. And if you were to go in there and organize them on the socket holders, he would freak out. Like he can't function that way. And he is extremely good at working on all makes and models, anything under the sun, doesn't care what it is, he'll do it. Um, and that's why he's so successful because he is highly trained and highly skilled in all sorts of different kinds of cars. Highly so, adaptable. Yeah. So we've got logical, emotional, we've got... Uh, the ability to heavily produce under extreme pressure. And we've got the ability to adapt to any circumstance. Would that be basically a good summary of characteristics of the four most high, highly produced techs yeah. in your shop? Absolutely. Okay, cool. Cool. Um, what are... Uh, we've spoken about training, but let's go into a little bit more detail. What training is provided by the shop what is what training is provided by the manufacturer and are there any provisions that the shop provides yeah so um american honda has i believe it's up to 262 self-studies that need to be taken by a technician as they are climbing the ladder through their training um once you have your general stuff done I have the green light to send um, a technician to training at the Honda Training Center, which is only 20 minutes away from our facility, which is nice. And I'm about sending people as much as possible. Um, there's, I believe, 64 modules that need to be taken in a classroom setting or in a shop setting at the Honda Training Facility. Um, and I got it done in three, in three trips. You go for a week at a time. Some people take four trips. Some people take five trips. Um, it really depends on your learning style and, and, and your ability to like be comfortable in that, that school type setting versus what's really going on in your shop. It's a little different. Um, and even the training center and our Honda, local Honda rep, uh, they know if someone calls in, if someone doesn't show up for their week of training, like they call me and I'm going to pull someone off the line and I'm going to send them because it's extremely valuable to me um, to make sure that, that guys are educated on the, the latest and greatest technologies from a manufacturer standpoint so that when that stuff rolls through the door, they're prepared. Um, and it's also kudos to, to our technicians too. It's also like I was really proud when I got my my master cert. Um, so if I can get a guy through school and he's comfortable and he's proven himself and he gets that master status, it's, uh, we celebrate it. So Awesome. Now, let's see. When you do, so you're talking about training and how well they do at training and, and rewarding 
training and, and successful completions of training. How do you look at and how do you approach performance evaluations, promotions, and things of that nature? So we have a pretty standardized, uh, it's a pay plan, but it's also a timeline of all the way from someone being an express technician through all of our levels of apprenticeship through to journeyman. And so long as you've got your factory self-studies and training up to par through this course, um, you're eligible at a certain time period to, to go up to the next level, get a pay increase, and, um, and also, you know, when it's time to jump from apprentice to journeyman, uh, you know, we get a, we celebrate it. You get a, my guys don't know it yet, but in our new facility, they're going to be uh, banners hanging above their stalls that say their name and master technician and and when they achieved it um, to recognize that and even when a customer comes out in the shop they can see that and like oh wow my car's on Joe's stall he's got this huge you know banner up above his his stall that says he's a master and, you know you know my my car must be in good hands um, but it's it's something to celebrate them too and you know there's people that are high performers who if they show an aptitude that's above like where they would jump one, you know, they're, they've been here for the requisite amount of time, they've got the training done, they'd normally jump up to level three apprentice, and they're, they're just showing aptitude of, uh, of being at a, a higher level. Uh, I have free reign to, to jump them to, to where I feel they should be um, and reward them for that aptitude and accelerate their career path um, faster than, than what's actually written down. Excellent. It's, it's good to know that there are two things there. One, that there is a written path to success, path to financial and to career success, as well as uh, the ability to, if you perform well and you exceed expectations, there are opportunities to expedite certain things if all the requisites are met and work ethic is, is on point. That's, that's good to know. In terms of the opposite end of that spectrum, how does leadership handle conflicts, negative circumstances, detriments, and things of that nature? Generally, it's it's pretty typical. We'd we'd have a you know uh, if a conflict arises, um, you know, we're seeing a trend of comebacks with somebody, or um, they're, they're given attitude to advisors or the dispatcher or whomever. Um, it's just always going to start off with a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Like, What's going on, dude? Well, I've noticed this, or I've had a complaint of this, or we've had five cars come back that you've touched in the last two weeks with something going on, like what is going on, what's the issue. Um, generally, it's something that, again, we, we, we brushed on it, but it could be something going on at home. could be, you know, wife is on him about, about bringing home more bacon every week, and he just can't handle the pressure or someone passed away in their family, whatever. It's usually something like that that has driven somebody to like be off their game and cause something else to happen where we got to have a conversation. Um, sometimes, you know, we, there are people out there who just have a bad attitude for whatever reason. Um, so if, if, if something like that continues, it's, hey, we're going to talk again and we're going to have a verbal warning that's actually documented with HR 
and there's going to be not just me and that person, but a secondary person so that everybody's on the same page. There's a, there's a third party there just so there's no he said, she said, she said, and if it's a third time, it's going to be a, an actual write-up again with uh, another person there to, to witness. And if something doesn't change after a write-up, then generally that means that they either don't get it, don't care, or or don't think it's important. So it may not be the right fit for either of us. I'm glad to hear that there is kind of a process installed already in place to understand that. There are folks out there that don't necessarily understand the rules of the road and you're laying down the rules of the road. There are, most will just have had uh, perhaps a bad day, um, but I'm, I'm glad to understand that it's not just a flagrant thought process. It's actually, there's a formal process. You have people involved. You do your due diligence so that both parties are protected and safe. But at the end of the day, we want to make sure that not only is me as the mechanic, as it's it's to be me kind of deal, it's that I'm protected and you're protected so that we're taking care of each other as best as we can, given any negative circumstance. What are, and, and we're, we're getting up against the time here, sure. so let me try and keep this a couple things simple, um, and but maybe not necessarily simple. So if I were to look at the hours produced by the bottom 25% of your 38 technicians, what would the average build hours be? Um, that's a good question. So if you cut out the, the high performers, I'd say that um, you know, most of the year, everyone's over 100% efficiency. Um, you know, if I'm, we're cutting out my express techs too. They're yeah, just your your regular sh your your general shop techs, the bottom twenty five percent producers. What's their average week? Uh, bottom twenty five percent is gonna be forty to forty five hours. Okay, easy answer. So let's say I am I'm an individual who likes me personally. I like snowboarding. I like I like kayaking. I like golf. Uh, I, I'm motorcycle, I love riding, and family. Those are kind of the, the basic, you know, the out world stuff that I, that I do and that I, that I get into. So kind of the things that I'm at regularly talking about. Are there any people in your shop of the, the 38 techs that you're telling me that I could immediately, you know, fit with? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I have tons of technicians who like to go out and do, um, like around here we can go kayaking. Um, we have, we used to have a, uh, like you, you ride motorcycles. We used to have a little ruckus crew. We ha we all had Honda ruckuses um, that we used to cruise around on. I got a hilarious picture of like five of us behind our old store sitting on our ruckuses um, when I was still an apprentice. Uh, I, there's guys who like to go fishing. Um, there's people that, that like to work out. Um, one of my technicians did a bodybuilding show. Um, there's people, yeah, I have so many different personalities in the shop that do not car stuff outside of the dealership that 
um, yeah, there's definitely people you could fit in with right away. Excellent. And the, the point of that question wasn't to see whether there's somebody who played golf in there. The point is to see your reaction. You know your team. You know the guys that work for you and the girls that work for you uh, well enough to know that there's a diversity set of people, that they all have hobbies, and you've got a general idea of what those hobbies are and what their life outside of work is. That means you care. That's an invaluable asset to somebody who's coming into your your facility. Yeah. Two more questions. Sure. One. What would the next steps to this interview be? Let's say that we're both happy with how today went. You interviewed me first, which you didn't, but let's assume that you did. Yeah. You yeah. you interviewed me first, you were happy and you were wanted to take naps. When would I can I expect to hear back from you about this opportunity and how would that transpire? So usually um I don't like to let stuff sit. So I'm a big um you know, we just had this conversation and did the reverse. Uh, you asking me questions too. I, I'm a big, um, hey, if you, I think that we'd be a good fit. If you also think we'd be a good fit together, then I'd like to just start the process right now because we have to do uh, pre-employment, drug screen, background, all that stuff. I want to do that right now, get it all set in stone. I want to have you start in two weeks when that's all said and done and, and, and get it set up. I don't, I don't like letting stuff sit for, well, we'll see. We'll come back to it tomorrow or, or in a couple of days. I want to talk to a couple more guys. Like if I feel someone's a good fit, like I want to go, I want to get the ball rolling yesterday. Excellent. Good to know. And here's, here's the last one. And this one, uh, I was told many, many years ago that one of the interesting things, whether they can answer or not is irrelevant, but to willing to answer a riddle or the ability to answer a riddle is always a an interesting thing to ask to any interviewee or interviewer. Okay. The riddle is, what belongs to you but is used more by others? Well, I don't know. Your name, good sir. Yeah, you got me there. All right. It's folks who are willing to take on the challenge and to see your body posture and, and things like that. And folks that are going to listen to this or may listen to this won't get to see it. But there was no change in confidence. There was no awkward bit. It was genuine consideration and thought. So that's I appreciate that very much. Someone who's willing to be confident, who's willing to, to carry themselves in a manner that is respectful to those that they're speaking to, regardless of of what the circumstance is. I right. really appreciate that. All right. Thank you very much. Oh, no. That's the end of this reverse interview with Zach. That's okay. There will be another one coming along in the not-so-distant future. Thank you, Zach, for participating, and thank you for being a great leader and role model. If you wish to find out more about Zach and McGrath Honda of St. Charles, or wish to apply to McGrath Honda, find the link in the description, on your screen, or use the website address listed in front of you. Subscribe to the Registrar's Podcast on your streaming service of choice to make sure you don't miss the next episode when it drops. 
Speaking of which, the next drop, Coach's Corner, tomorrow, 8 p.m. Eastern. And remember, folks, as always, negative pushes, positive pulls, and always clean your toys before you put them away. <laughs>